Hello, and welcome to the M-Disc Playlist. I am your host, Nitro. Before we begin, I want to apologize for the large delay in episodes and real updates to this podcast. Between work life, getting sick, among a myriad of other things, I haven't been able to produce M-Disc episodes at a rate that I've set for myself since I started this project. I will continue to do my best to bring life to this podcast as best as I can because of one thing, my passion for video game music and what they bring to the gaming experience. But let's get back on track for this episode, which will focus on the music of select Konami games. Believe it or not, Konami used to be a respectable company. They used to make great games. They used to establish wonderful franchises, and they even gave us the Konami code. Now, when you see Konami, all you can think of are pachinko machines, what PT could have been, and Guillermo del Toro taking every chance to say Konami. And yeah, Konami may have marred their image in recent years, but I wanted to use my podcast to remind you guys of the good times. 12 pieces from 12 different classic Konami games. Intentionally excluding Metal Gear, Silent Hill, and Castlevania. Because those franchises got episodes of their own. And excluding those franchises will make it easier for lesser known, underrated, and underappreciated games to get the recognition that they deserve. Small disclaimer. If I don't have anything to say about a composer, then that means that the composer was primarily a composer who worked on select Konami games, and not much else. The first piece is called Escape, composed by Tomoko Sumiyama from the game Bucky O'Hare. Bucky O'Hare was one of the many anamorphic franchises that came out in the 80s, slash early 90s. It was about Bucky and the other members of the sentient protoplasm against colonial encroachment organization. Quite a mouthful. Or space for short. Those members were Jenny, Willie DeWitt, Deadeye Duck, Blinky, and Bruiser. Though Bruiser didn't make it into the Nintendo game for some reason. They are on a quest to save the Anniverse from the evil Toad Empire. In the Nintendo Bucky O'Hare, you start as Bucky, who has to rescue his allies on different planets. The order of which you rescued your allies was up to you. Then, after rescuing your allies, you must traverse through the final stages of the game, with Escape being played during the very last stage, where you're piloting a small ship and you have to fly through the enemy base while avoiding random enemies and obstacles. Sort of like Gradius, which will be highlighted later in the episode. The composer, Tomoko Sumiyama, is primarily known for her work on Bucky O'Hare. She is also known for another Konami game, Cyber Stadium Series Base Wars, a futuristic baseball game for the Nintendo. Sad to say, Base Wars is a lot easier to find than Bucky O'Hare is. Bucky O'Hare is one of those games that's out of print and very expensive to acquire secondhand. But, if you can find it, or if you own it, 
then you're in for one of the finest looking, finest sounding, and one of the most fun action platformer games on the Nintendo. The second piece is Stage 1, Jungle Slash, Stage 7, Hangar. Composed by Hidenori Meizawa and Kiyohiro Sada from the game Contra. Contra was known for two things. Badass soldiers and badass bosses. It was a very badass game, and the first Contra was way ahead of its time. The premise was simple. Aliens invaded Earth, you're jacked up soldiers with lots of guns, and you have to kill them. Nothing complicated about that. The game itself, pretty damn tough. But despite how tough it was, it was one of the earliest games that promoted how fun co-op multiplayer could be. Contra was one of Konami's signature franchises. It didn't evolve as well as some of Konami's other franchises, but it is still respected as one of Konami's earlier greats. Hideno Mizawa grew up to his brother's love for the Beatles, and didn't start composing his own music until the age of 20. His primary job at Konami was to port Konami's arcade soundtracks to other systems like the Nintendo. Kiyohiro Sada bounced between Konami and Natsume for his works. He considers his favorite soundtrack to be Natsume's SCAT, Special Cybernetic Attack Team. Company! <laughs> now for some fun. Captain Jack Grandale Remix, performed by Chat Captain Jack from the game Dance Dance Revolution 3rd Mix, also appearing in Dance Dance Revolution Extreme 2. Dance Dance Revolution was such a big deal. It combined dance, exercise, and the general fun of going to the arcades. All of that brought together to home consoles and even schools. But what helped DDR's success was its giant list of licensed dance tracks. DDR was a great conglomerate of licensed music before Harmonix scored gold with the Guitar Hero and Rock Band series. Captain Jack was one of those songs that really pushed DDR players to the limit. The Grandale remix clocks in at 170 beats per minute. Not even the original version of Captain Jack was this fast paced. Speaking of the original, Captain Jack was a German Eurodance group from the 90s. The premise was to combine military training with Eurodance. The track Captain Jack became widely known outside of Europe due to its inclusion in the DDR games. The track Captain Jack became widely known outside of Europe due to its inclusion in the DDR games when it was remixed into the Grandale version. And because the Grandale remix was made for DDR, it technically counts as a Konami piece. Thus, Captain Jack effortlessly military stepped its way into the Konami playlist with ease.
fourth piece is called Impregnable Fortress Stage 7, composed by Hitoshi Sakamoto from the game Gradius 5. Scrolling shooters are tough. Gradius could arguably be considered the toughest, as it diverts from simply piloting a ship and shooting enemies. You have to take advantage of the weapon bar and upgrade your ship in real time to either strengthen your offense or increase your agility just to survive the level. Gradius was just as beloved as it was revered for its innovative gameplay and difficulty. The fifth Gradius game was actually not developed by Konami, only published by Konami. It was developed by Treasure, whose previous scrolling shooter title was Radiant Silver Gun. But because it was still a Konami property, it is still eligible for this episode. It was released in 2004 on the PlayStation 2. Hitoshi Sakamoto may immediately come to mind for his work on Final Fantasy Tactics, Vagrant Story, Tactics Ogre, Final Fantasy XII, Odin Sphere, and Back to the Future for the Super Nintendo. Seriously, look it up. Not something like a Gradius title or even Radiant Silver Gun, which he also worked on. In an interview with Kalkoe Biz, Sakamoto states that it was both a great honor and very stressful to work on this game, as he considers the soundtrack to the first Gradius, composed by Miki Higashino, to be an inspiration of his own work. This fine performance is simply called The Theme of Mystical Ninja, performed by Kageyama Hinronobu, don't get excited, from the game Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. There is only one reason why I didn't pick a game from the Super Nintendo Mystical Ninja, more commonly known as Ganbare Goemon. How could I say no to including a track from Kage-san? You know, the primary vocalist for most of Dragon Ball Z's vocal tracks, and one of the vocalists for Jam Project? But seriously, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon for the Nintendo 64 was genuinely fun. It really did feel like playing a Japanese comedy drama featuring multiple vocal themes, not just one. And that to me is very impressive for two reasons. One, all those themes fit the Nintendo 64 cartridge without compromise. And two, Japanese vocal tracks in video games weren't a thing yet. If a game had Japanese vocal music, it was almost always replaced with a generic instrumental. They could have easily done that with this game, but I feel like they wanted to make this the most fun Japanese game they could. And if they took out any of the vocal music, then the integrity of this Goemon game would be compromised. It would turn into what the Super Nintendo did for their Goemon game, or what 4Kids did to anime at the time. The other vocalists who contributed to this game were Ichiru Mizuki, another Jam Project alumni, Toshihiro Tachibana, and Etsuyo Ota.
This next piece is Old LA 2040, composed by Tapi Iwase, Masahiro Ikariko, Motokai Furukawa, and Kozo Nakamura, collectively known as the Kukehai Club, from the game Police Knots. Police Knots was a point-and-click visual novel adventure that Hideo Kojima wrote and directed after Snatcher. And we will get to Snatcher in just a little bit, so just hang on tight. Police Knots is about a detective who looks like a young Mel Gibson who must solve the mystery of his ex-wife's murder and her husband's disappearance with the help of his partner who looks like a young Danny Glover. If you know Hideo Kojima, you know that he loves movies. So I would jokingly call Police Knots Lethal Weapon in Space. Police Knots also helped Kojima pave way for the development of Metal Gear Solid. Police Knots was frequently referenced and promoted in Metal Gear Solid right down to the Konami logo sound that plays when you boot up the game. Police Knots also gave us Meryl, who would go on to become one of Metal Gear Solid's most important characters. Police Knots also gave us summary screens, which helped players get caught up on what happened in the story upon loading save files. And if you want to compare Police Knots to Metal Gear Solid even further, you'll note the font style, the way cinematics are cropped, and the extensive voiceover work put in both games. Hideo Kojima is a very cinematic storyteller, and Police Knots served as an excellent bridge between his early works and the Metal Gear Solid games, which he would become widely recognized for after 1998. Police Knots was never officially released in North America, but there is an unofficial English patch for Japanese ROMs that exists. I'll link the patch in the show notes, but you're on your own with how the patch is used. Tappy Iwase, also known as Tappy, would go on to compose most of the Metal Gear Solid soundtrack, including the iconic Metal Gear Solid theme, which would sadly be discontinued after Snake Eater due to accusations of plagiarism that Konami did not want to deal with. This piece from the game, suggested by Mark of Tapes from the Crypt, is One Night in Neo Kobe City. Composed and more than likely arranged by the Kuke High Club from the game Snatcher. And the version you're hearing right now is from the Sega CD ports. Of course I needed to include this piece and represent this game, because Snatcher is Kojima's other point-and-click visual novel adventure. The first one, in fact. But because I'm presenting the games in alphabetical order, Police Knots had to come first. But enough of my OCD. If Police Knots was Kojima's version of Lethal Weapon, then Snatcher was Kojima's version of Blade Runner, combined with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, no pun intended, and Terminator. In this game, you are Jillian Seed, an amnesiac working to uncover the threat of the Snatchers 
Androids with the ability of killing people and taking their place in disguise. But there's a twist. You, the player, have a connection to the Snatchers. But we don't know what it is right away. Jillian is accompanied by a little robot companion by the name of Metal Gear Mark II. Gee, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? The only version of Snatcher that we in the States got was the Sega CD version. This version altered a lot of things, like buildings, character ages, the Snatcher design, and in-game events took place five years later. All for reasons ranging from copyright concerns, because the Snatchers themselves look very similar to the Terminator robots, for, you know, Kojima's love for movies. But anyway, all the reasons ranging from copyright concerns to it was the 90s and a lot of things like violence and nudity had to be toned down a lot. It wasn't censorship, it was how do we release this over here without getting slapped with an adults only rating. Mature titles like this were a lot harder to produce and release in the 90s. Sadly, Snatcher did not sell well over here, because at the time of its release, the Sega CD had been discontinued. But Snatcher is still considered a cult classic, much like Police Knots. This piece is Boss Battle 2, composed by Akira Yamaoka and Michiru Yamane, and arranged by Kazuhiko Uihara, Masahiro Ikariko, and Minako Matsuhira from the game Sparkster. Also known as the Super Nintendo version of the second game in the Rocket Knight Adventure games originally released on the Sega Genesis. The Super Nintendo Sparkster was very different from the Sega Genesis Sparkster but both had a fairly similar soundtrack. Akira Yamaoka, who we all know from Silent Hill and recent Suda51 games, and Michiru Yamane, who we all know from Castlevania, worked primarily on the Sega Genesis version. They contributed to the Super Nintendo soundtrack with help from members of the Kukehai Club. They helped in either converting Yamaoka and Yamane's scores to the Super Nintendo sound chip, or composing brand new scores. The second boss battle theme was the final battle theme from the Sega Genesis version, and there is only one reason why I chose the Super Nintendo version over the Sega Genesis version. That badass intro, yo! It doesn't exist in the Genesis Sparkster! But what about the game itself? What about the series? You're a possum knight with a rocket pack, and you're fighting an evil pig and robot army trying to invade his kingdom. The game is a scrolling action platformer, but what separates this game from most action platformers at the time is the rocket pack, which allows you to fly incredibly fast for a short period of time while dealing damage at any one of the eight standard directions. You might recognize this gameplay mechanic in Freedom Planet, as that is one of Lilac's abilities in the game. Well, Rocket Knight Adventures is where it originated from. It's a really fun game. Any one of them is fun to pick up and play. However, the first game is the easiest to find and afford. The rest are a lot harder to find. 
This piece is called The Chase, composed by Miki Higashino from the game Suikoden 2. Suikoden 2 was a pretty impressive game for its time. It gave you base building, turn-based battles, tactical style battles, and over 100 different allies to recruit. For the longest time, it was difficult to acquire this game, until it was released on the PlayStation Network for $10. One of the most memorable aspects of Suikoden 2 was its primary antagonist, Luca Blight. Luca was insane, ruthless, and downright despicable. As soon as you saw him, you knew that horrible things were going to happen. It ends up taking a multiple-part battle with multiple sets of protagonists to finally defeat him and his army. And the greatest thing about Luca Blight and the battle against him is that he was not the final boss. His defeat did not mean the end of the game. The game revolved around defeating him, but defeating him did not mean, oh, time to roll the credits, yay, you beat the game! Suikoden 2 broke that mold, giving you one of the greatest role-playing battles way before the actual endgame. Miki Higashino was mentioned earlier in this episode as a primary composer of the original Gradius. She also worked on other Konami titles and was the primary composer for the Suikoden series until Michiru Yamane took over the role after Higashino went on maternity leave. The Great Petal Composed by Motokai Furukawa from the game Sunset Riders before Red Dead Redemption, the greatest American West video game was Sunset Riders. Sunset Riders was a coin-operated arcade run-and-gun game played in the same vein as games like Golden Axe, Final Fight, or Streets of Rage. Before each stage, you were shown a wanted poster of the outlaw you're going to fight. That outlaw would be the boss of that stage, and each outlaw would be worth a large amount of money. The more outlaws you defeat, the more money you earn. Late in the game, you start to see a large wanted poster with multiple faces and rewards on it, with one outlaw revealed at a time, as to build mystery surrounding the latter outlaws you would face. The last one, and the final boss of the game, would be Sir Richard Rose. In a fast-paced, bullet-hell, gobbles-up-all-of-your-quarter-style battle, you are accompanied by music that sounds both very elegant and providing quite possibly the best use of the orchestra hit sound I have ever heard in any video game. And that is one of the main things that makes old-school Konami soundtracks so memorable. Their heavy use of the orchestra hits. Speaking of orchestra hits...
This piece is Technodrome The Final Shell Shock, composed by Mutsuhiko Izumi and Kozo Nakamura from the game Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time is one of the greatest beat-em-ups of all time. Also one of the greatest games based on a licensed property. Turtles in Time was the second arcade game in the Ninja Turtles series from Konami, and the fourth Ninja Turtles game to be released on a Nintendo system. There is a Genesis version called Hyperstone Heist, but the Super Nintendo Turtles in Time adds more bosses, more modes, and speaking of modes, a couple of Mode 7 levels because that was the thing you had to do if you were making a Super Nintendo game. This particular piece was used in the final battle against Super Shredder. Super Shredder being the jacked up, more powerful version of Shredder introduced in the Ninja Turtles movie, The Secret of the Ooze, played by wrestler Kevin Nash. I wouldn't call this the most memorable boss battle in the game, but the music was pretty damn exciting and fast-paced. The introduction to this piece is almost Takata-like in its build-up to the last battle of the game. The Super Nintendo Turtles of Time is outstanding, but also kind of hard to find. The Genesis version, Hyperstone Heist, isn't as hard to find though, but it's not quite the same game as Turtles in Time. And finally, we end this playlist on a very slow, melodic note. Karai's Stage 1, composed by Miki Higashino from the game Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters, the Genesis port. Normally, I don't include more than one game from the same franchise in these kinds of lists. But I decided to make an exception for this one, because it seems like whenever I talk about fighting games, it draws a lot of attention to me, and this podcast. And this was a perfect opportunity to not only highlight a fighting game from Konami, but to actually highlight Genesis music. And yes, this is the same Miki Higashino who composed Suikoden 2 and the first Gradius. Tournament Fighters was released for the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and the Sega Genesis, each version being vastly different from the other. The Nintendo version only let you pick one of the four Ninja Turtles as you work your way through CPU opponents to fight Shredder. It was also notable for being Konami's last Nintendo game and one of the few fighting games to actually appear on the Nintendo. The Super Nintendo version allowed more fighters to be selected, and the story is essentially an organized fighting tournament with a cash prize. The Genesis version had a more complex story, as you had to travel through Dimension X to save Splinter, who had been captured by who the Turtles believed to be Krang. But it wasn't Krang. It was Karai, the leader of the Foot Clan, in her first appearance in any Ninja Turtles media outside of the comic. Karai serves as the final boss in the Super Nintendo and Genesis versions. But the difference between those two versions are, in the Genesis version, 
she captures Splinter, triggering the events of the storyline. In the Super Nintendo version, she's more of a here-comes-a-new-challenger character, sort of like how Akuma was introduced in Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. The Super Nintendo version gives Karai a more generic final battle theme, but the Genesis version gives her two themes. This one that is being highlighted right now is almost entirely composed using a koto, a traditional string instrument from Japan. It is very soothing music, a completely drastic contrast to the kind of opponent Karai can be. To put it in perspective, it's the kind of final battle you would expect from a Capcom or SNK fighter. That kind of fight is what you should expect facing Karai. And that does it for another episode of the M-Disc Playlist. Follow me on Twitter at M-Disc Playlist. Follow my blog at M-Disc Playlist at Blogspot. Email me at mdiscplaylist at gmail.com. And do keep your eye on the blog. Oh, and you can find me on Stitcher, and you can look me up on your favorite RSS feed. This has been Nitro. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow. And do not underestimate orchestra hits, as they can produce great quality music. <laughs>